Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 230 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, I am back for this one and only episode in February 2023, and uh, yeah, it wasn't supposed to be that way. I wanted to have more episodes out this month, but you know how it, how it goes. Life gets in the way, things happen. I've had a lot of things going on and just very, very busy, uh, but I am so excited, though, to be bringing this conversation with you today with my guest. We have such an in-depth and uh, uh, honest conversation about writing and and such and uh and i just can't wait to hand the floor over and uh, introduce you to my guest who today is valerie isan we are going to be discussing the the perfect writing day finding yourself and grieving through writing uh looking within yourself to to find the words um plus just a you know, we, we, we talk back on some of her past books and then her upcoming one, and it's it's very touching and honest discussions on her books and, and her writing process. It's, it is a truly wonderful conversation that you are sure to enjoy. This is going to be one of those that goes down as, uh, I think, I think for my writerly friends out there that listen to this show, you're going to really enjoy this conversation, and uh, we, we have a good chat. So, if you uh, if you don't want to hear any updates from me, then you can jump ahead about five, six minutes on this and get right over to the episode with Valerie. Uh, but for those of you hanging around, want to hear a little bit about what I've been up to, you can um, <laughs> you can hear that now. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, this is the first and only episode for February of 2023. I, you know, no excuses. I've just been extremely busy, uh, too busy to put out some of the episodes that I have, uh, some of the episodes that I've recorded. Uh, some of that's also timing. It just wasn't uh, wasn't time for those episodes to go up yet <clears throat> uh, to coordinate with the authors. <clears throat> and that's okay. You know, it's uh, I, I've kind of come to a peaceful state of mind with the show where if I can't put an episode out, then it's okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not as worried and and stressed out as I used to be with the show where I was like, oh gosh, I got to get a new episode up this week. I didn't, I did one last week. I got, you know, a new episode every week. And as, as great as I think that is, and I think is, I don't know, as positive as that is, I don't stress out about it as much as I used to just because, you know, it's just me. I'm the one doing all of this and uh, I've got to be able to, well, to put forth the best episode that I can uh, when I can, then it means I've got to, I, sometimes I've got to focus on me and, uh, take care of life uh, on the side <laughs> or, or I got to do all that first. So, and that's been the case for this past year. And, uh, and, uh you know, and for at least the, at least for the, the immediate future right now with the show is just, I've got to be able to handle all of the things first and then I can uh, do the uh, show in between, in the cracks of life, as my friend Ryan Pelton likes to say on his show. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, rest assured, I've got some wonderful interviews uh, already recorded, uh, new ones lined up, and uh, I've got uh, some really great episodes coming that uh, I cannot wait to share with you. 
Um, personally, Bandit 2 is uh, has reached a flow state again, which I'm so happy to report. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been great. I'm I mean, I'm wrapping up the uh, the conclusion of it uh, with the uh, you know again another two part epic finale battle. Um, not sure how else to put that, uh, but you know Bandit and his friends they're split up, and uh, kind of like what happened in the first book, uh, they are split up. They're in different areas, and they they both uh, their adventures are coming to a head at the same time. And um, I'm having a blast going back and forth, writing that uh, those um, those battles that are coming to a head. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to have that completed here real soon and uh, really fully dive into the editing process because I have a lot of a lot of great details I need to add. Um, you know, I keep coming up with more. 80 songs and movie references that I need to go back and I'm like making little notes here like oh go back and add this and say this and, and uh that's that's been fun and uh yeah I just man this book two has been a bear and uh, I cannot wait to uh, get this thing done <laughs> um anyway but uh yeah that's going well and uh I I feel good I feel in a better place right now than I have in almost a year as far as my writing goes and and getting things done for the show um you know we got uh, planet comic-con coming up here in a few weeks uh i'll be honest right now i don't know if i'll be there or not uh i you know just because everything else is so busy in my life that uh i don't know if i'll be able to make it or not i i would like to go up there for at least one day spend the time you know hanging out and uh, visiting with authors and uh, there's a couple of celebrities that are going to be there that who are also writers. Um, you know, of course, Captain Kirk, William Shatner, he's going to be there, and he has a series of sci-fi books that he's written over time. Uh, Richard Dreyfus is going to be there, and he uh, actually has a couple of books. Uh, one in particular recently talks about you know what it means to be American and. Um, well, it, it's an educational book. I guess would be the best way to put it. And I've looked into it. It seems interesting, and I think that'd be a fascinating conversation uh, if I could somehow bump into these guys and get them to come on the show. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> but anyway, uh, but uh, <clears throat> everything's going much better, and uh, I really appreciate those of you who have reached out to me and uh, you know, sent me encouragement with uh not only with the show but in my own writing and uh, it means a lot i really appreciate having such such wonderful fans of the show you guys are great well if you would like to reach out to the show you can do so through social media uh, the show is available on facebook twitter and instagram uh, you can also reach out to the show through email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to support the show you can uh, click the link in the show notes for our affiliate, Writer's Block Coffee. Uh, they have some wonderful flavors over there, some great coffee that uh, I enjoy, and uh, one of those that uh, you're sure to find as well. And you know what? I, I've mentioned it before, but I want to mention it again. If you do go in there, make sure and check out their scoop. It, it's, a, it's a bag clip scoop, so it's dual purpose, and it's long. So it is such a wonderful multi-purpose tool. And uh, I made sure to buy one, and I think, yeah, I think you would like it as well. Check that out. 
And uh, again, as as an affiliate for the show, then any purchases you make uh, gets a little something back to the show and helps us, you know, keep the lights on, so to speak. <laughs> um, if you also another way to help support the show is you can head over to our T Public link in the show notes and uh, grab some swag and uh, show your support by wearing a a T-shirt of your, uh, well you know, would-be favorite podcast about writers and hearing that sample chapter. Uh, it's, it's, I got some uh, cool stuff in there, put up some, a new t-shirt recently and, uh, got more designs on the side that I'm just kind of working on touching up in between. So as soon as I can get some more in there, I will. Finally, don't forget to get over to our podcast friends at Pop Goes the Culture Network, home to about a dozen other shows, all of them fun, all of them witty and all of them pop culture related whether you're interested in movie and celebrity news television episodes or uh, the latest soft drink like peepsy (laughs) or starry (laughs) all of that is available to you through those episodes and uh, lots of fun so click that link in the show notes to find out more all right everyone well i think it's time for me to stop and uh, let's get on over to our interview with the wonderful Valerie Eason. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome back. Hey, this week, I'm very excited to introduce to you a, uh, a new friend of the show and uh, someone I've actually been, I've been following for a little while, listening to her own podcast. And uh, so this is really exciting to me to get a chance to sit down and, and talk one-on-one and introduce you to my guest. Uh, my guest is Valerie Isan. She is one half of the Writer Craft Podcast with Eric Mertz. Uh, that's the sh- weekly show I listen to every week uh, to get tips and tricks on um, on my own writing. Valerie is an author, editor, publishing coach, podcaster, and dog lover. From Springfield, Oregon, she writes fiction and nonfiction, and uh, she has a new release about to come out. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Valerie Isan. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for the invitation. It was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. I would just, you know, you guys had just celebrated episode 100, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been... I mean, I think you were up to like 102 by the time I finally was like, oh my gosh, it's been another week already. I hadn't <laughs> written in and congratulated you guys. And and uh, just, it's funny how all of a sudden we're chatting back and forth and like, yes, yes, come on the show. So that's awesome. Yeah. We love getting fan mail. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you and Eric have such a great rapport and your your comments, the way you get along and the way you chat, it's just so comfortable. And I'm like, oh man, has it already been an hour? The show's over. we decided at the very beginning that we wanted to have like 20 or 30 minute episodes so it wasn't Mm -hmm. such a big ask for someone to sit and listen to us for an hour but that's how long our updates are and then we finally get into the topic so it's always much longer than we intended but oh yeah yeah i try so hard to keep my uh my pre-show down to 10 minutes and every time i sit down to edit it's like 15 16 minutes like oh my gosh how much did i ramble (laughs) <laughs> so I gotta go back in there and like, yeah, okay, nobody wants to hear this. Cut that out, and it's crazy. Sometimes that's the best part of the episodes, though, of the podcasts True. that I listen to that are you know interview podcasts. Sometimes I just like the intro, and I don't <laughs> listen to the interview. 
<laughs> I've got one or two like that. Yeah. It's like, eh, I don't know this interview. I'm not, I'm not into that style of writing. I could probably yeah. learn something, but I really love the banter before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, For sure. Well, tell us a little bit about your uh, writing background. What, uh, what got you started in writing? Um, hmm, there's a couple different ways I can answer that. You know, the, the, I remember writing in grade school, you know, like Little Miss mm. Mysteries and, 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 uh, I remember, uh, being a, a peer editor in fifth grade, you know, helping other people write their papers. And oh, yeah. so I've always, you know, had a penchant for that. Um, I was in my early twenties when I, I always journaled mm. and I was in the process of, you know, having some angsty 20 year old thing happening and was writing in my journal and was complaining to myself about why I didn't have a creative outlet. And that I wished that I was artistic or had some creative outlet, like all my musician friends or my sister, who was the artist of the family, you know, and it finally dawned on me, oh, well, actually <laughs> writing <laughs> is an art. Writing is a creative outlet. So mm -hmm. I think that's probably when I started thinking, hmm, you know, I could, this, this could be my thing and, and started like learning about the craft of writing kind of around that period of time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I was a young widow and when my husband at the time died, I went looking for books to read you know, as, mm. as one does yeah. to help you through the, the challenging time. And there weren't any, it was pre nine 11. There were no young widow memoirs or anything. So mm. I thought, Oh, maybe that'll be my first book, you know, after this is all done. And, you know, after I've processed all this, maybe that'll be my first book. And it ended up being the first book that I wrote. Okay. All right. Well, that that's was, uh, a, a great outlet. <laughs> yeah. It fit nicely with my, uh, I, don't know, I was kind of a, an emotive griever, of course, you know, lots of crying and stuff, but also active, you know, I felt like I had to be doing something too to process. And so the writing really helped and, and that was a good match for me. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. My, uh, as some people who's been following the show know, like I, we lost our son-in-law, um, uh, a year ago this month. Mm. And so my daughter's been dealing with that and she has, uh, she's, you know, got her ups and downs. Um, but she has thrown herself into like all sorts of different things this past year from, um, uh, just reading a ton of different books, like usually murder mysteries, which I'm not sure mm -hmm. how to feel about that. Um, <laughs> to just activities out where she lives, changing the house and moving things around to now her latest thing last two months has been working out and it's just like helping her feel great and, and mm -hmm. energetic and all that. And, and uh, so that's, that's good. I, I, you know, encourage her. And then uh, <clears throat> my wife and I have been working out for the last year and a half to change our lifestyle. So we've been like kind of ribbing her a little bit like, Oh yeah, you can do another rep. You could do something else, you know, come on, we can, we can keep going. And, and she does the same back at us too. It's like, oh, you guys, you know, y'all are eating a donut tonight, huh? I see. Yeah. <laughs> That's not so good, is it? Like, no, but it sure does taste good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, it's, uh, 
it's an interesting process, the grieving process, and and it's never the same for anyone. So I'm happy you were able to find a way to to work through that. And do you get any emails or anything from readers that uh, that you've helped with that? You think? Um, when the first memoir came out, yes, um, that has trickled off. I haven't had much interaction with readers around that book lately, but yeah. Okay. All right. Which That's... is good because that was kind of the, the, the purpose, I guess, for me to, I mean, other than the cathartic writing it down yeah. and kind of a, a memorial, if you will, of, of, um, my husband, um, was that connection to other young widows, widowers, mm. because it was such a, like, I did feel really isolated. I didn't know anybody that was widowed. I was 26 mm. at the time. Like <laughs> usually widows were, you know, pre nine 11 anyway, were old and <laughs> or like their <laughs> spouses had died because of, you know, right. old age or cancer or, you know, something like that, not was a car accident. So it just was, sudden yeah, exactly. and I didn't know anybody and I didn't have a way to connect with other women like that so I, I had hoped that the book would would be kind of a comfort to people that did also feel isolated oh, okay all right now <clears throat> down the road you you, I mean, you you have I see in your history you've got a few nonfiction books um along those lines. And I think it's just more of the healing process is what it seems like. But then down the road, you did come out with your first contemporary women's fiction novel, The Scent of Apple Tea. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. <laughs> Oddly enough, there's some grief in there too. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I think because, I mean, once you, once you live a, a heavy grief like that, you know, it becomes part of your ethos it becomes part of oh, who sure. you are yeah. and and it it changes you in subtle ways and also great big ways and it's not like you're continually grieving for the rest of your life but it does um it becomes part of the filter that you see life through i think mm. um, but not in a morbid way i don't know how to explain that <laughs> no I, I understand yeah uh so so i think that because I know I know how to process grief, it shows up in my writing in in other ways too, I think. Yeah. And and so that exploration of a different kind of grief and and how that character went through it mm-hmm. as opposed to how I went through it before, you know. Yeah. I think that was that's not how I set out to write it, but I think that ultimately when it was all said and done and written, I was like, Oh, this is actually about grief too. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to happen, but okay. Well, you know, one of the things I've, I've picked up on about myself and that I've, you always hear the, uh, the idiom of, uh, or not the idiom, the advice of write what you know. And for the longest time, I had no idea what that really meant until I started writing and I had, I was going in my second book and I was like, huh, this is interesting because the topics in this, well, maybe not the topics because it's a murder mystery, but the, some of the subjects within Mm -hmm. and uh, the job, some stuff like that are very 
much what I'm aware of, what I know. And uh, same with the first book. It was a story that I knew inside and out. And I think that's where it starts to come out is the things that the things that you know in life come through best uh, when you know about them. And, and, you know, so you, you know, you know, grief. And so you're able to use that effectively in your writing, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or, or whatever. And I, that that's my own opinion that I've come to develop is that ah, it's, it's all part of what we know and, and it's makes our, our writing all the more real. Yeah, I hope so. I think there's a lot of truth in fiction. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the apple tea then this is a, it's kind of a romance. No, she's a, um, an herbal farmer in Veneta, mm-hmm. Oregon. So she grows um, herbs that she sells and always has these tea concoctions. She just drinks a lot of tea and <laughs> Um, the title coming up with titles is an interesting process for any writer. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, the first book I titled, um, and actually this novel too, I, I ended up doing the same thing when I was reading through the whole novel before publication, there was one word that just, or one phrase that just sort of popped out of the whole book as kind of not thematic, but kind of, Mm -hmm. and, and that's like, so smell the blue sky was actually something my toddler had said to me one day. Um, So that was the name of the first book. And then the scent of apple tea again was, she was just in the character was just in the living room, you know, and was drinking tea and, and was, it was a, it was a very cozy scene and and for some reason that just sort of popped out at me because because that's what Catherine really clung to for the whole book was to retain that sense of comfort and she mm. didn't want to lose that mm-hmm. um and yeah i think she, one of her greatest fears was being alone or or having to die alone and so i think just trying to like bring all of the comfort things that that made her feel safe and loved and that sense of belonging. And it always seemed to like that scent of, of tea as she was drinking, it was that cozy place for her. So I think that's where the, the title came from was from that scene. (laughs) Sounds cozy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm drinking tea right now. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. I don't so, grow my own herbs though. This is a tea bag, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's all right. That's all right. I have uh, <clears throat> uh at my work, it's basically the the two of us, uh, myself and then my boss, and he's been very very ill for a while, and so mm. when he came back, he didn't want coffee, which like kind of shook me there for a while. I was like, "Oh my gosh. <laughs> what are we going to drink then?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, so you're going to take an hour or two before you come into work, right? You're going to let me drink some of the coffee and he laughed about that but so we've been instead we've been heating up hot water and drinking a lot of tea and and i've been making that switch slowly over i still get my coffee in the morning at home and drink a little bit at work but then uh, we've been drinking tea before i switch over to water depending on the temperature so but that's nice i always like a hot tea with a little honey and sugar (laughs) so what uh, tell me about your your perfect writing day what would that be like the perfect writing day would involve no barking dogs 
<laughs> which is impossible with the three that we have. And one of them's a chihuahua. So he is like on alert mode all the time. And mm -hmm. any little noise that he hears, which is less and less frequent because he's 14, not hearing so well anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, anytime he thinks he sees something or whatever, he'll start barking. And then that starts the chain of all the other dogs barking. Oh, and, sure. and it's usually at absolutely nothing or you know, I don't like it when they bark when someone's walking by the house. Like that really annoys me. <laughs> it's okay. It's a public road. They can do that. Yeah. But yeah. that would certainly be the number one. And then I would say, okay, the perfect day, which I think has never actually happened, but in my mind, the perfect day would be getting up, going through my morning ritual, which involves journaling and tea and snuggling with dogs, and then doing some sort of um, yoga or stretching that would mm. help kind of wake up the body a little bit, um, walk the dogs and then come in and, um, and start writing. Usually what happens instead is, you know, none of the yoga happens. Yeah. One thing. <laughs> and then, um, I usually get snagged by emails first. I don't know. I, I have a very, um, uh, I love finishing energy and I like, um, I like I like the busy work and I get stuck mm. in the busy work. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's just that dopamine hit of, Ooh, I get across something off my list <laughs> and just going through my email inbox is like, Ooh, look at all these people <laughs> deleting all these emails. I'm getting work done. It's really easy. <laughs> so often I'll get stuck in like doing that sort of stuff first. And then mm. I end up, you know, with the writing later. It's, it's actually been quite a while since I've done a writing writing because I've been in this publishing task mode for the last oh, yeah. you know, several months, really. And um, I just had a meeting. I've never done any co-writing before, but I just had a meeting with a co-writer that we're going to do a project together. So that'll be my next book, um, nonfiction for writers. But uh, so that'll be my next my next thing it'll be fun so I, I think probably i'll end up having some sort of day like i described maybe even with yoga but maybe not at the <laughs> beginning <laughs> and maybe i should just embrace the email start maybe that's just the way i'd process you know my day and i start thinking about okay this is my to-do list i'm checking through things oh, oh yeah, yeah i'll do that later i'll do that later i'll do that later okay now i've got a plan for the day all right let's write and then I'll get back to the other stuff. And I have client work. And in my brain, I think I should write in the morning and then do client work in the afternoon. But mm. my, I think what actually happens is more project-based rather than time block on the day-based, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. No, I can understand that. You know, I want it to be time block. Like, this is the block where I do this task. And every Wednesday I do this at this time. I like that. But it never, ever works out that way. So I think <laughs> yeah, I struggle for balance and uh, yeah, but, oh, yeah, but project stuff seems to work the best for me working okay. on a um, working on my projects in the morning and then after lunch transitioning into um, client work or like admin or something like that. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I, I know I probably would work better if I scheduled it and stuck to it but it never works that way and uh, I tend to I well I'm fortunate in that 
if I'm sitting down wherever I am, I can open up and usually get right back to my writing, except for the last few months. I've really struggled with doing that because I'll go a week or two weeks or lately it's been like three weeks since I'd opened up my Scrivener. And until a couple of nights ago, I finally was like, okay, I'd, I'd had a thought during the day. I was like, oh yeah, I know how I'll fix this other scene I was struggling with before. So I opened it up the other night, told my wife, hey, I just want a minute so I can go back in and fix this scene. I did that, but then doing that and then rereading a little bit of that, it got that flow going. So mm-hmm. my couple of minutes turned into 30 minutes, which turned into an hour and I was just rolling. That's awesome. But it also turned into after 10 PM and I happened to look over to the couch and my wife is sound asleep and <laughs> with her head back on the couch. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I am, I am in trouble. That's going to hurt her neck. And so <laughs> I stopped mid-sentence that I would know where I was whenever I go back to it again, hopefully today. People say uh, that all the time. I'm so afraid of that. That is not one that, that's not something I follow (laughs) at all. I do not stop in the middle of a sentence because I'm afraid I won't remember what I was trying to say and I want to at least finish I wasn't sure about that either. Yeah. But like I'm, my worst ones are finishing a chapter and then go away. And then I come back and now you got the blank page of the next chapter. And that's when I do I'm you going, plot though. Oh, not really. Mm, the plotting mm. works for that way because then my Scrivener, I have something in the Scrivener file. Yeah. For that that scene card, you know, so I know there's something there. Oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to write in this scene. And I I guess I could amend that in saying that I don't normally everything prior to this series that I'm writing now. I've never done that. I've never plotted because uh, I feel like I've written it already. Um, but my series, I, I did book one and it came out over a year ago. So I'm way late on book two, but I just started running right through book two thinking, yep, I am doing great. And then I hit a hiccup and then I got to looking at it, trying to figure out why am I struggling with this so much? This isn't going the way I thought. And I realized, oh, I'm incorporating my ideas from book three into book two that I had had. And so now I've got my character in a completely different place than where they should have been for book two. And I had to go back and thankfully with Scrivener, you know, you can just take it. Okay. Let's add that to book three ideas. And I went through and wrote like single lines. Okay. Bandit Mm -hmm. is here. Okay. Bandit finds this and next chapter bandit does this. And just to try and keep me at task with it. Um, But, but yeah, it, Finishing it, or I've I've done it several times now, where I just stop mid sentence, and I'll just go back to that paragraph and read a few lines, and it seems to help get that flow going, and that way I can go like, oh yeah, yeah, I wanted to. This is what I'm saying, so it seems to help me anyway. Cool. Well, maybe yeah. someday I'll have the guts to try it. <laughs> <laughs> it you know it, it's helpful. Try it like um, when you just gotta take a break, like you're gonna mm-hmm. break for lunch or something like that. And then, uh, oh, that's a good tip. Yeah. That is one thing I do struggle with is getting up. So I just, I just quit the day job. This is my first month at home. Yes. So, um, I don't really have a schedule quite yet. I, I I figured (laughs) that the month of February and March probably would be that settling in and trying this schedule and trying that schedule and seeing what works. But, um, what I'm finding is I'm not getting up from the desk. And that's hurting my body. And, you know, it's I'm sedentary now instead of running around a bookstore all day. (laughs) So um, 
So yeah, I'm going to have to start setting a timer to get up or, and that could be, oh, the timer ring. I'm in the middle of a sentence. I'm getting up anyway. So yeah. I can run and go get more tea, get some <laughs> more tea, laundry, yep. something like that. And yep. then come back Time and to go yeah, do a little yoga for 15 minutes. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, I'm getting all these great ideas, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I would Insert be remiss yoga I... here. There you go. There you go. Oh my goodness. All right. Downward dog. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Rider Craft Podcast. And uh, you and Eric, it's such a great show. And it's one of those that so like several of my favorite writing shows came to an end. And so I started going through pod uh, my iPod or my iPod iTunes. <laughs> the right word here, Jason. Uh, and searching out, just trying different search words. Uh, mm -hmm. So writer craft, writer something, you know, author something. And it's amazing the different results you get. And I came across your show about a year ago. Mm. And I was like, I decided, so you know, added it to my list. Okay, okay, let's subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to all these different shows. And then I've been weeding it out through the year. But yeah, yours is one of those that when the new episode drops, like, oh, I got to listen to that real quick. Yay. Oh, I love fan mail. <laughs> yeah, it's such a, it's such a great show. So how did this come about? Well, I started it solo um, in 2019, I think, um, because actually um, I was teaching about, uh, you know, the nitty gritty process of, of indie publishing and all of the steps, you know, an author would have to go through. And I was teaching at this um, activity center near my home and, and every class, this is going to sound terrible. I don't know if I should admit this on the air, but <laughs> the <laughs> attendance started getting lower and lower. And I thought, well, so I was trying out different types of classes and I was also um, co-chairing one of the chapter writing organization chapters in uh, uh Willamette Writers is the number one writing organization in Oregon, and there's like five or six chapters. Mm -hmm. And I was um, doing the speaker series for the Eugene chapter. And so I had a lot of like writing community and was in touch with a lot of people. Um, and, and so I pulled them and I asked them, you know, what kind of classes do you want? And if I did a class on this, who would come? You know, so I was trying to cater to what the you know, market wanted. Mm -hmm. And, um, and still it just sort of sort of, I don't know if it was timing, you know, or the space or I don't know what it was, but it just kept getting lower and lower, but I really loved teaching. So I thought, well, podcasting would be a great way to do these like little mini free classes, you know, mm -hmm. on each step of the indie process of publishing. So for the whole first season, um, I just did short 20 minute little um, episodes on some element of the writing or publishing process. And I have this giant checklist. I love lists. So I have this giant <laughs> checklist of um, all of the steps that I take personally through my writing and through my publishing process and editing too. And and so I just kind of went through that list mm -hmm. as the podcast episodes. And then I shifted once I was done with that, I was like, well, you know, I guess we could talk about mindset now. And so I was doing uh second season was about mindset. And, and um, so it got kind of um, choppy in terms of uh, releasing episodes around that time. Oh. Um, and during the pandemic, 
I just wasn't my chipper self, you know, and Mm -hmm. I felt a little bit uncomfortable going on air and, and not being a voice of positivity. And so I found it difficult to get on and teach and, and bring joy to the masses (laughs) (laughs) during the pandemic. So, um, I, yeah. So then I switched, I, I tried a couple of different things. I really loved podcasting and I felt like it was a great way to bring content that was, you know, free to, to writers and, and I just like the whole process of it. So I wanted to keep going. And that was when I checked in with Eric. I've known him for over a decade. We met at a conference, Mm. a writing conference, and uh, we became conference buddies. He lives in Portland. That's where the Willamette Raiders Conference always was. So, you know, we'd always make a point to like meet in the bar and chat while, you know, every, every year, at least a a couple of times while we were at the conference and, and, um, and then sometimes he would come down to Eugene and speak for the chapter. And, you know, so we just sort of knew each other as colleagues for many years. And then, you know, we started editing each other's work and, you know, so we just have had this um, professional relationship slash mm-hmm. friendly relationship for, for many, many years. And I approached him and said, you know what, I kind of feel like I've said everything that I know about writing and let's, you know, I, I want to keep doing it, but let's get together and talk about stuff together. And, and yeah. that'll bring a, a fresh, uh, new bent to the podcast. And, and I've really enjoyed it. I thought it, it's been super fun. We laugh a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's gotta be nice to have somebody to bounce things off of and, yeah. and to have their opinion as well. And even if it's a, even if it's different from yours, it makes for interesting Especially, conversation. Yeah. 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 A lot of times we come across, I mean, just last week we were talking about, um, what was he? Oh, pricing. He puts mm. price. I put pricing on my website. He doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about the pros and cons of that. So yeah, it's nice when we disagree, actually, <laughs> it makes for good podcast fodder. <laughs> I agree. I agree. There's time. Yeah, I guess if this wasn't an interview show, I probably would have ended it so long ago just because I don't know what I would talk about on my own. And that's yeah. why I made it an interview so that way I could have somebody else to talk to and uh-huh. and let them be the professional. And I just go, oh, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I still oh, like being the professional, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I like getting ideas. And I learn stuff from Eric all the time. We've known each other for so many years. I would think that I know all the things he knows, but. No. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. My, my writing group, I still, I, I don't get to meet with them as much as I used to, but uh, I still, whenever we get together for a book signing or something, I'll, I'll get to talk with them. I'm going like, really? That's how you did that. Okay. And it's so good to catch up, catch up with them uh, periodically whenever I can. So. Yeah. I like having a beginner's mind for, for all aspects of well, my entire life, actually, <laughs> all of the pieces of it. But, you know, the just today I was um, on a Slack channel with um, another writer and he was saying something about um, he sells his books at breweries um, and uh, he gave a QR code to the person there and she mm. sells them with the QR code. And I don't know oh. anything about that. So I was just asking him right before I got on here, like, oh. tell me how you do that. What is that about? How do you assign what? That's because cool. that would be cool. 
Yeah, that would be cool. I don't so. know anything about that. I don't know anything about TikTok. I don't know anything about Wattpad. <laughs> so there's right. so much to learn. My uh, my first event I ever went to, I did not have my books available. They didn't come in. So oh, that's, that's that I'm was like my solution. About right now. <laughs> yeah, that was my solution. Was I just quickly printed up a QR code for people to scan it and go to my Amazon. And then I just oh. sat there and talked with people. I was like, yeah, hey, here's a bookmark. I've, I've got bookmarks. So when the book <laughs> comes in, and uh, you know, I'll autograph the oh, back of the man. bookmark for you. <laughs> man, I've been panicking about it. Everything's a learning curve, you know, and this is my fourth, fifth book, I think. Mm -hmm. And and I think I've got it all like, yes, this is my process mm -hmm. every time. And then I learn something new every every time or something goes wrong and I have to like adjust the process. <laughs> so I am chronically um, misjudging how long things take. And so when I set a launch date, I was, I was so good this time. I'm like, I didn't set a launch date until the book was already proofread and everything, you know, so I didn't have to like scramble to, cause I didn't want to put out a a bad product. You know, I didn't sure, want to sure. put it out before it was ready just because I said it was going to be ready. So I felt like I, I nailed it for that, but I forgot about like the proof process, the physical book, you know? Oh, so yeah. like I ordered the proof yesterday, I think for one of the physical, yeah, I ordered Monday, I ordered proofs Monday mm -hmm. and and there's a snowstorm over on this side of the world, I guess. Oh. Uh, not here. It's blue sky and sunny right now. But um, it, I got an email saying, you know, that the it was being delayed, the, the delivery. And oh. I didn't, you know, of course, you're supposed to like get the proof and then say, yes, this is good. And then put it up for, you know, enable the distribution and right. buy all your author copies. But my launch party is on the 11th. Mm-hmm. And that's just too tight of a, even if I paid for like expedited shipping and stuff, the books would have showed up like the day before the event. Yeah. And that was just a little bit too close for comfort. So I last <clears throat> night bit the bullet and bought author copies before seeing the proof. Oh, <laughs> so I hope they look okay. My husband was like, well, Worst case scenario, like if they're just weird, you know, give them away at the launch party and tell them, you know, and that way you can fix the thing and tell yeah. them it's up yeah. now. You can, you know, order it now, yeah. but now they're a collector's edition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first screwed up version. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I've got a couple of the uh, collector's edition of my first book. Cause I, I, I just ran it through Grammarly and said, fix all. And then I hit publish after that. Whoops. And then, uh, yeah, my <laughs> wife uh, got a hold of my proof copy that came in and she was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Is there a problem? And she was like, yeah, where's a red pen? And so I've still got that on the shelf too. That original proof copy that really wasn't a proof because it was already live. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I spent, uh, we spent two or three weeks together working through it and, and fixing things that were wrong and, and I couldn't uh, I couldn't believe some of the things that Grammarly said yeah fix this and uh, oh well lesson yes. learned human editors will always be necessary I yes. also use I use pro writing aid as part of my writing process and mm -hmm. I'm a, pro, a freelance editor and so that is 
um, often part of my process too. I go through manuscripts uh, twice. So like I'll go through and do my own edit yeah. um, all the way through the manuscript. And then I will go again with pro writing aid and see if there's anything that I missed. Um, and yeah, there's a lot that, that those AI assisted, you know, softwares will say, will flag and I'll be like, nope, that's supposed to be like that. You know, I'm just going <laughs> to leave it. Ignore, ignore, ignore. So yeah. there are a lot of them. Yeah. Fix all Grammarly. That's a disaster. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Because it came up with like 300 and something or 400 fixes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to take forever. And it was late. I didn't have that much time. So I was just like, yeah, fix all. And uh, yeah, it was I have uh, I've had fun since then. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, uh, a book that has been edited and is ready to go is your <laughs> new one getting ready to come out. You can't dance a lie, a memoir of stepping into my truth. And that comes out uh, March 2nd. First. first? Yeah. First. March 1st. Yeah. Which likely Next is Wednesday. The, likely. Yes. Yeah, likely the day after this episode drops. So everybody can like go in there and grab a copy real quick after they hear this. Tell us about this new book. Um, do you want the long version or the? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me or whatever you think people need to know to make them go, oh, I got to get that. Hmm. I started, well, the reason I started writing the book was kind of by accident. I uh, was stalled out on a novel that I was writing the character didn't want to do what I wanted her to do. And sure. so I got stuck there. And in the process of finding another project to work on, I had an old archived blog that I'd written on for years and thought, well, I'll just, you know, turn it into essays or something. It'll be real quick, <laughs> which <laughs> totally was not the case. Famous last words. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I kept bringing it to my critique group, and and they were all like, you know, thumbs down. And so I oh. kept tweaking it, and, and and then I became invested. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this isn't going to be the quick job I thought, but it's a book, so let's go in and and make this a book. And so I did a lot of work on it. I revised it two or three times, and then I read Melissa Phoebos's book Body Work, hmm. which is about the um this uh the power of of narrative work and talked about you know when you're telling your story not just to tell the story you've told yourself but to to really get to the underpinnings of the story like the the ugly parts that you really don't want to like acknowledge mm -hmm. put that in the book and so then i had to go back through and like mine that raw emotion and and put that in the book too so that it wasn't quite as oh here's the story I've told myself about myself this whole yeah. time yeah and I think the part that really solidified the meat of the book was when I took the time to realize what it was really about because chronologically it's just about um meeting my husband you know and mm. going through the process of ending one relationship and, and kind of the minefield of the time where you're trying to seek out your partner and, and learning about yourself, you know, in the process. Mm -hmm. 
but that had kind of, I mean, that's been done so many times before, you know, and I wanted to make sure that my personal spin was on it. And, and when I looked underneath everything, I realized that all of my pain and struggles came from a place of dishonesty and that I had been lying to myself my entire life and looking back and finding where that started and how I, how I came to a place where I could start telling myself the truth. So I didn't learn how to tell the truth until I was 39 years old. So that's kind of my tagline sort of, I guess, for the book is, is uh, I didn't learn to tell the truth until I was 39. So mm-hmm. the book is about, um, about the lies that, you know, I told myself and, and mm-hmm. figuring out how to have the courage and strength and awareness to, to stop that lying. And that only after I did that, was I able to, of course, then be in right relationship with a person and yeah. myself. That's, that's amazing. I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. Cause I know I, I went through something similar around 3940 and uh, that, uh, I didn't even realize I was mm-hmm. still, I used to think I had to be everybody's friend and mm-hmm. it was taking away from, uh, well, from my marriage and, and so many other things. And once I went through we went through that and I came out on the other side, then uh, we've been been living my best life for the last uh, almost 12 years now. That's awesome. And, uh, which gives you a clue to my age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to go through something like that. And it's, it, that sounds fascinating to me then that somebody has put that into book form. It's like, wow, Hey, I went through something like that. I need, I'm going to have to read this and see, what that's like. If there's that's, any that's similarities. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, cool. that's awesome. That's great. And that comes out on the first, uh, how, how difficult was it to, uh, to kind of get in there and be real with yourself? I think that's the hard part about being a memoirist. I mean, I like, I like writing fiction a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, the writing process itself is hard, but I think that memoir is harder because you have to look ugly on the page because you have to have a character arc. It's just, you know, it's a literary necessity to the book. Exactly. And, and that's the whole point of the story, you know, is, is the, especially I think for memoir is the character growth. And, and so you have to, (laughs) you have to look not great at the beginning so that you can improve. Yeah, and and what have we learned from from the process? Yes, definitely. Okay, that is awesome. I'm going to have links in the show notes to that, and uh, so everybody can can go in there and find it. Where can people find you online? I'm at valerieisanauthor.com. That's my author page. And if you're you know doing the the book coaching or the um, editing, then it's just valerieisan.com. I H S A N. And I'll have That's my pen name. There. My my husband is Turkish, so my legal last name I can't even pronounce. So <laughs> Isan is his middle name. Okay, it's much easier to even if it gets butchered, it's still you know pretty close. 
Yeah, but yeah. The other one is got umlauts mm. and little hooks and like there's <laughs> a lot of ways to butcher that one. <laughs> my my last name used to have a few more letters to it before my family came to America and decided, well, if you get rid of these letters, it looks more American and just kind of blows my mind. But oh well, that's fine. <laughs> there was an N in there somewhere because they're German. So I don't know. Anyway, Valerie, this has been fantastic. I, I'm just overjoyed getting a chance to, uh, to talk to you one-on-one and, uh, you know, meet with you. And, and, uh, I look forward to, uh, following your career and of course, you know, following the show every week yeah. and, and Eric. And I look forward to having you on our show too. That's going to be fun. <laughs> it will be fun. Yes. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my writer's block coffee and hand the floor over to my guest, Valerie Isan with you can't dance a lie, a memoir of stepping into my truth. Chapter one, lies. Turns out the con man movies were right. I lied by telling the truth. I'd tell enough truth that the lie slipped through and I wouldn't even know it. Paul and I stood in the dining room on opposite sides of our Amish made cherry dining room table. You lied to me and you lied to yourself, he said. I bristled. How? I said, my palms pressing against the smooth oiled wood, grounding myself. Divorce was what I wanted. How am I lying to myself about this? Because you aren't honest with yourself. You say you want something and you say it so many times over and over to yourself that you believe it, but it's a lie. His voice shook. What a weird and obnoxious thing to say. I didn't lie to myself. I scanned over my life in full at that dining table, like microfiche in the county courthouses back in the 90s. Fast, 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 then stop, skimming and reading, then fast, fast, fast again. Holy shitballs. I stared at Paul through the midday light. I did lie to myself, all the time. Conveniently, I mostly didn't know when I lied, but sometimes the dissonance of subconsciously knowing I was lying and not wanting to lie clanged louder than usual, and my eardrums tingled and my skin curdled. Other times it was like a glitch in the matrix. I'd look up and think, did I just say that? I wasn't a pathological liar, and I didn't lie to other people, only myself. Ah, but there was the crux of it. When I lied to myself and lived my life based on those lies, then I was effectively lying to others. I shook my head and walked away from Paul in our conversation, but I couldn't walk away from my thoughts. I should have been more horrified that despite not identifying as a liar, I did in fact lie to people, including myself, and had done so my whole life. The truth was, I was more pissed at not being a better friend to myself. It was sad, really. How could I have so mistreated myself Lying had prevented so much happiness, created so much pain, scads of it, and I was about to heap even more on myself. Looking back, I think I lied to be a good girl. Fear of judgment compelled me to lie. I was 39 years old when I learned to tell the truth. And there you have it. That was Valerie Isan reading a sample from her brand new book coming up tomorrow. You Can't Dance a Lie, a memoir of stepping into my truth. And it is such a such an honest book 
you know just that little bit of sample that I have seen and you want to make sure you go ahead and order it right now I have and I uh, can't wait to check that out uh, the links are in the show notes for Valerie and her books so click on those don't forget to also check out our podcast friends and affiliates and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out when I have a new author a new book and a brand new sample chapter take care everybody <music>